Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are so full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Strong might be overstating how Texas came out against Baylor, but you know what? A win is a win, and 6-1 and one is 6-1. and one. Texas gets the W. 23-17 over Baylor. By no means was it easy. Did it without Sam Ellinger with the exception of about eight plays. And the bottom line, guys, Texas got through it, and they are into the bye week in sole possession of first place in the Big 12. Can you believe after Maryland, after the Maryland mess that we mm. dissected on this show that we're talking about a team that's ranked in the top ten in both polls and is in first place in the conference? Um, no, that's no way I'd picture it. I don't think anybody visualized it. Hell, we thought nine wins was optimistic. Remember that? We were like, that Maryland wins. game seems like it was you know what I mean? a year <laughs> like, ago. I remember. And after that, yeah, after that Maryland game, I was like, yeah, my nine wins prediction just ain't going to happen. And now – Hell, man, nine wins seems, I mean, seems like they could easily get to ten wins and potentially in a, a college football playoff discussion. Yes, because like even I somehow thought Texas would back their way in only because of the Big 12 being down to being the second team in the Big 12 championship to That's take true. on Oklahoma, but only because I thought, say, West Virginia or these other teams. would. I wouldn't think that Texas was in the driver's seat and be the one where now Oklahoma's hoping for things to fall their way to maybe take on the Longhorns. So, yeah, you're already looking. And if you put that money on the Texas at eight and a half wins, you're looking real good. We'll talk about the Big 12. We'll talk about the big picture. But first, we've got to talk about another win for Texas here on this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. And since we are having uh, a weather event in Austin, Texas right now, his uh, his weather pants are uh, popping up quite a bit lately. <laughs> Matt Butler. Matt, is that an accurate way to describe how you've been for about the last four or five days? Yes, I'm not in the waterproof Gore-Tex, but the winter, I like that <laughs> the, the rain pants are on. But yeah, looking at the flooding, man, we're looking up at the live pictures of Lake LBJ and of Marble Falls and all that wall of water. There was already like a 20-foot wall coming down the rivers, and that was before last night's rain. And then now it looks as if Lake Travis already went up like 15 feet so lake travis has like 40 more feet to go until it goes over that spillway and that's when it's never done that in my life in 1991 it got up to 714 one foot away from going over the spillway and into lake austin if that ever happens that's sayonara well thanks matt for the dark outlook as we start <laughs> exactly. this show. we're yeah. all talking well, about positive and wins and matt's like matt's like debbie downer by the way armageddon's upon us so no, just don't know anybody he get did too comfortable for the show and now i'm looking up weather stuff like thanks matt like now I'm no joke rod that. is on his phone right now we're aware of our yeah. surroundings uh he's on his phone because lord knows what he's looking up sometimes it's weather mm. sometimes it's pop culture references uh, that's because he's a renaissance man and he is our lockdown corner here on the show lifetime longhorn 2002 ut all-american 2002 semifinalist for the Jim thorpe award and a disgruntled weather observer mm-hmm. fourth round draft choice of the new york giants in 2003 spent his nfl 
NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. If he, His tearing is on the way, and when it gets yes. in, he will wear yes. it proudly. That's Nevertheless, sweet. he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, uh, before, intro, we, before we get into Texas, you got some business out on the West Coast you're conducting during the bye week. Uh, well, yeah, if the weather doesn't mess up my trip, I'm supposed to go to San Fran, hang yes. out with my girl, go kick it, go see my boy Shanahan, uh, and go watch the Rams and the 49ers play, too. I'm going to that game. There you go. That's Sunday. cool. Yeah, well, it was cool, but now it's C.J. Beathard versus Jared Goff, so I don't know how cool that's going to be. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, but it was, supposed to be, it was fun, but now I'm worried because Matt's got me freaking out about the weather, yeah. and it's going to rain for like the next 10 days. So even if I get to San Fran safe, you know, I would like to be able to get back here also yeah. and be safe and sound. I hope everybody here is safe. Have you been so to now, Have you been to the Bay Area before, Rod? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, we played in San. I played in San Fran. Okay. Uh, maybe once, or twice. Actually. That is you a, being the football player. You know, control the controllables. You can't control the weather. That's not. That's beyond our control. I'm so from it's just Houston. Like this, I got a lot of PTSD about flooding. <laughs> like I freak out about flooding. Very true. And that's why I love Central Texas because it doesn't flood that often. There Houston hills all the damn down. time. Like literally, Houston will flood all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. They got bayous. Bayous fill up. Done. Houston down bloods. by sea level. Yeah, that's why that's no why it happened to go. a ton in Houston. And they get really, really bad. Actually, they're getting worse. So I love Central Texas, hill country. Usually don't have a lot of floods. Every now and then it will flood, but not to the point where Houston becomes like it's like it shuts down the city and it is truly Armageddon. Yeah. In well, Austin now, I'm now you Matt's just get got flash me. flood in here. Now, yeah, but yeah. now you could get not flash flooding, you get Houston type flooding here if well, those lakes fill up as you have Explain to me. Yes. Well, the Thanks winds, the winds Sorry, have come man. flooding in for the Texas Longhorns over the last six weeks, and Texas yeah. gets a bye this oh, week. Texas football, a much, <laughs> a much needed bye because I know people will look at the score, Rod, and the flow of the Baylor game and say a twenty-three seventeen win over Baylor when you were favored by fourteen. And as Matt said, when we did predictions last week, I had no idea. I was apparently with the spread and the over/under. I was right on a line with mm-hmm. what Vegas was thinking, and some people might say, "Well, we were expecting more." But there's a couple ways to look at it. Number one. My perspective on it was the minute I saw Sam Ellinger go up the tunnel from his injury, yep. at that point I said this just became a game that it doesn't matter about the spread or what yeah. it looks like. Just get out of here with a W and be grateful for it. That's number one. The second part of that is people will talk about a letdown. Like, oh, maybe the effort wasn't there. You overlooked Baylor. I don't think it's any of that. I think, Rod, watching that team on Saturday, that's a team that had to try to fill the cup back up after the Oklahoma game. And they put all they could into that cup. It just wasn't anywhere near full. This is a team that's physically and mentally ready for a week off. Um, yeah, I think you know. I think it's more of like you pointed out uh, earlier before you made your second point is that when the starting quarterback goes down for any team mm-hmm. at any level, other than probably Alabama, all right, it's the you have to adjust your expectations. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. The starting quarterback has one. I'm sorry, the, the the backup quarterback has one job. Just get the win. Yeah. If you can figure out a way to get a win, even if it's ugly, who cares how it looks? You know, people are criticizing Shane Bouchel's performance. He was cold. He had no idea what was going in. The game plan was not structured around Shane Bouchel and his skill set. That'll be much different if he has to start for Oklahoma State, which we'll talk about later. But I actually I was pleased with Shane Bouchel's performance, and I was probably one of the only people. I don't expect a lot from Shane Bouchel within his offense. There's a reason Sam Ellinger won the starting quarterback job 
for Tom Herman. He's more compatible with his offensive philosophy. Shane Bouchel is not, which no. is probably why he won't be here in 2019. We understand that. But Shane Bouchel started, what, 19 games mm-hmm. on the 40 acres? And when he's got to come in there in a crisis situation and just pull out the win, yes, he threw an interception, could have been two, whatever, shoulda, woulda, coulda. He found a way to get the W. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Shane Bouchel was great. That's what a backup – I guess they were looking at him as he's supposed to be a starting quarterback. He's a backup quarterback for Texas. Yes. There's a reason he's a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. There, is a, there is a precipitous drop-off between the production and effectiveness of Sam Mellinger and Shane Bouchel within this offense. You put Shane Bouchel in another offense, go back to that veer and shoot with Sterling Gilbert, hell, he's much more effective. And I think you'll see a lot of those principles mm-hmm. that will be implemented probably e- even here in practice during this week while Sam Mellinger is rehabbing. Um, but also, you he has so, to play. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think he's just resting right now. You're right. He's probably not rehabbing. Actually, he's probably doing more resting. Well, no, I was talking about in terms of uh, inserting those various shoot principles or those spread oh, principles. Oh, yeah, I think they definitely are. In the game plan for Shane Bouchelle, you'd hope they would do that. Yeah, I mean, this guy, you know, that's why Kenton Ingram is going to be so big because yeah. if, if Shane does have to start, Shane Bouchelle needs structure. And I've always said this about Shane. And the offensive line being improved, I think, helps him. Um, having Keontae Ingram, a game-changing running back, also I think helps him. Uh, you know what I mean? But you need structure around him. You need those different things to complement him for him to succeed. The reason we love Sam is because Sam really doesn't need any of those things to succeed. He can he can succeed with a bad O-line and make things happen. He can have a bad, you know, average subpar running back and still be able to manufacture a running game on his own. You know, there are things he can do that Shane just cannot. And I think – you know, that's why he elevates the offense. Offense a higher ceiling with he with he in there as the starting quarterback, with he with him in there as a starting quarterback. But with Shane Bouchelle in there, you know, you're you're more limited. Yep. And you and, gotta understand those limitations. And when you are limited, like you said, you know, first off, you've game plan for one thing all week long. Exactly. It's good to have a guy like Herman just oh shell it. Now I have to go and think in my mind what does Bouchelle do? But that's why it's so perfect exactly. to have a guy like Bouchelle as your backup because he was only a starter because Texas didn't have any quarterbacks and he was the best of bad ideas. He was the best as a true freshman. He came in and he yeah. can produce, but like you said, totally different offense that he was in to what he is working in now. And whenever you're Taking on somebody, it's just like you said, try to go and survive to see the next play because it was the unexpected. Now say yeah. Sam does have an injury. Now you might be able to see something that you can build around with Shane for the short term with the long-term understanding that yeah. he's just filling a gap, and that's why you are Texas. I mean, you think about how Texas fans have reacted about the quarterback situation. We've seen backups like if you lose Colt McCoy, what happens in the championship game? Yeah. You definitely have a gap between one and two. This is actually not that bad of a drop-off that you have a serviceable guy that can get you by, and that's perfect for Shane. He's the guy that is a coach's best friend because he almost is a coach on the field mentally. So even though his skills may be diminished compared to the number one, if he were to maybe have had those skills, he could have maybe had the job, but there's an obvious difference between him and Ellinger. Just look at the arm strength, look at the dual threat ability, all those things. So then when you think about that and you're taking on a team like Baylor, that Baylor, what is the one or few things that you say, may say that you could compliment them on? Well, Rule is a very has a disciplined team that plays and decent defense, a, yeah. power, and it's yeah. sort of almost your backup quarterback. His yeah. type of game is going to play into the hands of a guy where you now you're becoming more predictable on offense. So it simplifies the game for the opponent, yep. and that's why it was so good to see Shane not be able to make not make many mistakes. Now he didn't maybe execute well and didn't hit some of the passes that you'd expect, or he 
just couldn't make some of the throws that you came to see from a monster arm like a guy like Ellinger. But by the end of the day, he managed it to survive, and that's the luxury you have right now where you have that stopgap that if he does transfer, well, now you have a few freshmen that might be able to be top subpar collegiate quarterbacks at some point in the future. And down the road, Texas is backup may not be that type of drop down from the performance or just a type of player that you look at and say, oh, well, he can't do everything that Shane does. For the time being, he's perfect as your backup. Yeah. It's just not a luxury. <clears throat> when you look into the crystal ball for next year, uh, what you're going to gain with Cameron Rising and or Casey Thompson is a quarterback with skills more compatible to the offense. Yeah, but you're going to miss the experience of Shane Bouchel. Mm. But it's kind of it's it's, well, it's, it's yeah. your back as you said, right? It's your backup quarterback. Like it's not supposed to be a perfect it's, it's not world the guy situation. It's going to maximize and optimize the offense. Right. Like that's what Sam Ellinger's there to do. Yes, and that's you why see he's the offense progressing and evolving with Sam in there. Him taking ownership of the offense now with the backup. You just got. And, and my thing is, well, I'm frustrated with Longhorn fans is. Didn't we know this was going to happen? How many times mm-hmm. on this damn podcast have we Bam, said, Bam, Sam. you're going to need both of them? You're going to need both of them. Have you looked at Sam's resume going even back to high school and most recently here at Texas? Tom Hell, Herman's he, history with quarterbacks. Well, exactly. Yeah. Dude, but he, even, he's like Coach no, but Sowers. Even with, no, but look Coach at Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger has test. not played a full season of football, I think, only once in the last like four years. You know what I mean? Even in his sophomore year, I don't think he played a full season of football. His junior year he did. Nope. Not his senior year and not his freshman year here. Hey, chances are he's going to miss a game. We said that. That's why we were like, thank God Texas has the most seasoned veteran in the country, arguably. Yes, definitely <laughs> I mean, in the conference. The guy he's the most started experienced the entire in season. the conference. He was the most you know, seasoned guy and the most experienced guy within the Big 12. So we always talked about how that was a really good thing, and we knew at one point. Hell, look at the recent history of Texas. In the last eight years, seven out of the last eight years, Texas has needed two quarterbacks. It's had multiple starting quarterbacks. Hell, even when they had one starting quarterback in Shane Bouchelle, they needed Tyrone Swoops in the 18-wheeler package to win games. All right? A guy who's also bothered with Seattle. So my point being, the last two years, uh, two to seven, eight years, however long you want to go back, Texas has needed two quarterbacks to win games. And I don't understand why people now are kind of shocked why this is happening. No, we knew it was going to happen. And thank God they got a W out of it, and it was going into a bye. And now they can retool everything. Now they get rest for the starter, but also prepare as if prepare for the worst, which means prepare as if Shane's going to play that game and start that game. Yeah, which is what I hope they were doing. And in the previous years, Texas never truly had a starter. It was like we all had backups because they were interchangeable and were productive. You yeah. finally have a drop off from a one to two, which is actually a good thing to have because yeah. somebody separated from the group. Years past, they were all interchangeable because they were all backups. They weren't at that quality starter level, and that's just sort of the luxury you're getting to build up a little bit from the crap you were. Yeah, you know what? What's impressive to me about this, and what I think people should really appreciate from this. It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with what Shane Bouchelle or his skills. I hope this makes people appreciate the growth and the development Sam Ellinger's made. Yeah. yeah. Because think about it. When's the last time we saw a Texas quarterback in their sophomore year kind of keep on the, the upward trend? Like Sam Ellinger hasn't had one of those games like David Ash had in the OU game where it just drops off a cliff. Honestly, or, only Vince Young because Colt didn't even do it in his second year in the program was Richard freshman. Sophomore year was man, the I remember, critical one, and that's his third year in the I program. I remember Colt against Nebraska. You needed John Childs and Jamal Charles to go win you that game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's really impressive what Sam Ellinger's done, the fact that through what was – and not was, it is when you look at the, the meat grinder part of your schedule – where your USC at home, TCU at home, at K State, the OU game, 
he never had one of those one of those games where it was like, oh gosh, well it's a growing pain, so what you got to deal with? No, he was either, you know, yeah. average at worst or at best, he was really really good. And maybe yeah. give credit to the physicality of Baylor that Texas can survive a gauntlet of Oklahoma's and USC's and TCU's and Kansas State's without losing a quarterback, and boom, first play you get a bloody hand, bloody nose, and a broken or messed up AC joint from Sam. Like, he survived a gauntlet of the schedule, and it sort of just happened to be showing that football can happen anywhere at any time. It's just good that it happened to you and, against opponent and you could survive against. And to that point, Matt, I think people need to give Baylor credit, too, yeah, because that physical. was a Baylor team that, Rod, they unloaded everything they had in that game because I think once Sam Ellinger went out, I think Matt Rule and that team says, okay, if we're if we're going to go be the top 10 team on the road, this is the week we're going to do it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and Matt Rule's a hell of a coach. I still think Matt Rule's one of and the that's, best If I'm a Baylor fan, that's what I'm wondering right now is yeah. how much longer are you going to have Matt Rule? Yeah, he's one of the best coaches in college football. And, and not, yeah, not just for another college job. I mean, like, and well, he interviewed job. for the Colts uh, a couple of years ago. Well, mm-hmm. twice. That job. Yeah. Twice, didn't he? After after Josh McDaniels uh, left, yeah, I think well, they interviewed I, him yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he is one of the guys. I mean, he was a New York Giants offensive line coach at one point. I mean, he's got he's got NFL ties, NFL connections. Uh, he's coached every position uh, other than, I think, defensive back. <laughs> um, so, does you know, he I mean, pick like your Belichick in? Is he a special he is, team? He too? Is. Yes, he, he's, he's one a, of the he's few. A, he's a freak, man. He really is in terms of his coaching acumen. So, yeah, I, I had no doubt they'd have a great game plan. Um, I, to going back to your point about Sam Ellinger, though, and why you know we should really be more complimentary of Sam's evolution more so than dogging Shane Bouchelle because he didn't look more like Sam Ellinger in that game <laughs> when he came in. He, with Shane, we talked about this too. Sam separates in the games, like those practices. They t- remember they were dude, apparently they were. It was uh, what two weeks in the training camp. It was still a really uh, contested quarterback battle. Well, you can't reports. hit a quarterback in in practice. How is that going to even I mean? show? Like, so the weekend, the weekend before Tom Herman made the announcement, Shane Bouchelle had a really good week of practice. From exactly. what I heard and had a really good scrimmage. Yeah, and what I had always said was that, hey man, once it, it, once you get into a game time situations, the crisis of a game physicality of the game, all that kind of stuff. You don't have the black shirt on. You're not protected. I mean, what's going on in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. right? You have the, the greatest offensive revolution in the history of the game. you got more. Uh, they're, on, they're on record pace for passing yards and completions per game and completion percentage and passer rating. And all these records are about to be broken. And it's all because the domino effect of them protecting the quarterback mm-hmm. and, put, and, and putting a halo and a safe haven around the quarterback. Yo, now Tom Brady's rushing for touchdowns mm-hmm. in, in the red zone. <laughs> like As that, rookies no, no, are yeah. sitting there. And that, yeah. that, that player admitted, yeah, I didn't want to get a penalty, so that's why I didn't bring him down. Yep. And the, making the quarterback position just easier to play overall, you know what I mean? That domino effect now has had an offensive explosion. My point of that, bringing that back to a guy like Sam Ellinger is, you know, that, that that position with Sam Ellinger in the game time situations, look how it, it, it affects the running game. It improves the running game mm-hmm. exponentially. Um, you know, maximizing Lou Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. Yes, Shane and Colin Johnson have a great chemistry. I think half of his completions were to Colin Johnson, yeah. mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. But, man, it seems like Sam does a really good job of spreading around. Even Andrew Beck was getting love when Sam Ellinger is in there throwing the ball around. You know what I mean? Like, so I just think for the quarterback position and the effect that it has, Shane doesn't have the effect on the game that Sam has, and you can't see that in practice. And even Tom Herman talked about this. Remember, mm-hmm. he wants – I want um, Shane Bouchelle to be more of a – what do you say, a conductor – and not somebody playing in the orchestra. Be or more invested in the offense. Have no, more, take more no, ownership of the offense. The analogy yeah. was: I want him. He, 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 you can't be uh, just somebody. Be playing a conductor. In the band. Don't just run the play. Yeah. You got to run the offense. 
what we've talked about with Sam, what we like is that he's taking ownership of the offense. That is his offense. It looks like it's his offense. Yeah. yeah. But Shane didn't look like that. Well, and, it I didn't mean, look like his offense. It was like he was just out there as a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a worker bee out there within the framework of Yeah, but like just the, the predictability when we talk yeah, about you know what I mean? What you should as a quarterback, you shouldn't be a worker bee. You yeah, should you're be working the from the bee, pocket you and you're a guy that yeah. doesn't have the arm strength to make the certain throws that you would say or maybe, you know, in situations yeah. that you're in. And then add on just the most obvious element that when you have the quarterback be a runner, it makes your line appear to be much better because you have an extra blocker also on the field all Didn't the time. That you know? That's a great point. I mean, point that's the, the illusion that yeah. comes. You don't notice it, but it's there because you have an extra blocker. I agree with that. Matt, you hit on uh, you've hit on a couple things that I want to get to. One was what you just said is that's where it impacts you most with Sam Ellinger not being in the game is the run game because especially in short yardage and red zone situations where now you lose that extra hat advantage you have when the quarterback is a legitimate run threat. And And it's one and a half because you've always also in football ran the quarterback out. So not only is he not is handling the ball, he's handing it off and then taking himself out. So you have nine blocking up front, you know. And Matt, yeah, Matt, you mentioned earlier too. Kind of Tom Herman trying to find a rhythm with play calling with with Shane Bouchel in the game, guys. When you look at when Sam Ellinger went out, it was the eleventh play of the game. So Rod, I don't know. Maybe you're at the tail end of the script. Maybe depending on how much you scripted because you had some short yarded situations out. in there yeah. and you had to get off script. Maybe you're still in the meat of it. You have to ditch your script at that point no and doubt. really start figuring out. Okay, and I think that's why you saw the offense take a while to like. Yeah, okay, figure out. Do we need adjust. to get him? Do we need to get Shane in a rhythm? Yeah. Do you know what do we need to period. do? And that's why you saw in the second quarter, put Keontae Ingram in the game, put the ball in his hands, and, and, and get the offense going that way. And it makes that, perfect sense. That, in some ways, was was the best way that you got going. That and was your savior. If you had had any, if you didn't have Keontae Ingram and Sam Ellinger goes down, mm-hmm. could you imagine how destitute this offense? Nah, oh my you god! Lose because that Ingram's game. the perfect <laughs> guy. You lose that game. You lose, yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, you lose one hundred percent. And that means last year you lose this game. We still have been <laughs> you know wondering I mean? how fully healthy Ingram is, which means his ceiling. I can't wait to see what it gets to, but I am like seeing how they're using him now that he's the type of guy that obviously the one physical back that Texas has. So even though he isn't starting, if you look at about the snaps, his percentage has been growing every single week to yeah. where he's getting that percentage share. <laughs> and it would be nice to be able to get him early on, but in say this game, it almost worked out better that he almost coincides with Bouchel that when he's entering the game he's entering with his best talent it wasn't anything strategic just a coincidence that helped Texas out in that situation and him with the ball in his hands like Texas hasn't had a running back like him like since Malcolm Brown maybe somewhere mm, around there you know before that he, even further he, Jamal you I was know like say, he's, he's a I, was, better, I don't want to put him he's there, a little better saying, at running the football than Malcolm Brown oh yeah he's was. better but Texas yeah. hasn't even had a plus yeah. running back since I'm saying like honestly he's better Jamal. than that trio I remember we were excited about Bergeron Brown and Gray but he's better than yeah, those agreed. Guys. I'd put him up there in a best on. in a decade. Yeah, it, it's easy to forget about Deontay Foreman, but Deontay Foreman was a very different type of runner yes. than than Keontae Ingram is. Yeah, um, he's sort of what a, just a coach loves Deontay because he'll just put no, his Deontay head in the hole great. and he's going to we go. Yeah, Deontay was removed from that conversation. Uh, I agree. Yeah, no question. But looking at Keontae Ingram's numbers, I just decided to go down a rabbit hole and say, you know, because I look at his production and the touchdowns, he's only got two touchdowns, but 66 carries for 403, average 6.1 a pop. And I said, well, let me look at his production through six games because I know Texas played seven, but he missed the USC game with the injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, let me look at he's his production. And I, I started looking at the freshman record books and I said, you know, the two guys he's kind of on pace with in terms of freshman rushing numbers. No, Ricky Williams and Cedric Benson. Yeah. 
And so I started looking. I said, okay, through six games, let me look at Ricky Williams. Now, Ricky Williams, through his first six games, had one fewer carry than Keontae Ingram. He had 65. Keontae Ingram had 66. But keep in mind, Ricky Williams was playing fullback. Yep. Um, because Thank you, Bucky. Bucky, because the guy in the next room to us right now, Bucky Godbolt, uh, he had Sean Mitchell back there. Wayne McGarity is also still at running back. So mm-hmm. you had and Priest Holmes was hurt that year. So you had yeah. some bodies. You had some talent yeah. in the backfield. That's why Wayne played wide receiver. They just had too many. Move him out there. Just get him on yeah. the field. Uh, so Ricky Williams had one fewer carry through six games than Keontae Ingram has, but he only had 341 yards, 5.2 a carry. So Keontae Ingram has Ricky Williams beat through six games in total yards and yards per carry. Go to Cedric Benson. Now, Rod, you were on this team. Cedric yeah, Benson's man. true freshman those, year. Yeah. Uh, through six games. And Cedric Benson's first six mm-hmm. games are tricky because while he, and they I'll use air quotes, played in the Oklahoma game, yeah. he, didn't, the he didn't record a carry. Yeah. So Cedric Benson, through his first six games, 98 carries, 417 yards. He's only got 14 more yards than Keontae Ingram's got right now, despite having 32 more carries yeah. uh, and five touchdowns. Cole's so if football you, a little bit different than less right. yards per carry as a whole. So if you look at Keontae Ingram's production, he's either on par or you could say he's ahead of where Cedric Benson and Ricky Williams were through their first 16. I'm not saying it, he's going to be no, a no, four-year no, thousand-yard no, no, no. guy, a Doak Walker but, Award winner, but this shows you – He's Keontae Ingram's not just good. Keontae Ingram's got tools that you say this kid could be a special runner by the time he's no, done. No, no, but it, yeah, it's a great point. It gets to Matt, what Matt was talking about, how the different eras, you know, even when the time when said B gets, he, he becomes like the focal point of the offense at one point. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When he's in there. And with Keontae Ingram, that I think is going to be the challenge because he hasn't been the focal point yet of the no. offense. Not yet. Even no. though it's amazing his productivity as a complimentary piece of the offense. Sort of like Jamal is a freshman. You know what I mean? Because Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, like, have kind of going to be the fo- have kind of become That's the a focal. big part of it. And yeah. Sam will kind of the focal point of this and, and offense. Trey, uh, let's, and let's not uh, Trey, diss Trey, Trey Watson. Watson. Like, he's, a, he's a little hot sauce you add on. Trey him, Watson hasn't been terrible. Like, no, that's he why hasn't he, been, That's why he's still getting carries. But he's not as productive right. as Keontae Ingram when he gets the ball in his hands. So that's going to be the challenge, I think, the next week. Because even, you know, I don't know how, even if Sam plays, what is he, 75 or 80% Sam? Yeah, you know Luckily, what I mean. That's we have to buy. Like, what's your percentage of Sam? Like, yeah. Cause, so are you saying, all right, if Sam's seventy five percent, he's he's better than a hundred percent Bouchel. You know what I mean? Or sixty percent Sam is not as good as you know what I mean. So you got to make that right. And and once you figure that out, either way, you might have to make Keontae Ingram more of a focal point of the focal point of the offense because you can't be making Bam Bam Sam take you know punishment that is you know gratuitous you don't you don't need you don't need that you need to be very judicious about how you use Sam now considering now there's a there's an injury to the shoulder and hell you know with Shane you got to be like that as well because Shane just can't run in every situation so my point being either way the running game now the focal point of the running game has to become Keontae Ingram and I know they love Trey Watson but you oftentimes get behind the chains sometimes with Trey Watson Mm-hmm. Uh, with Keontae Ingram, that's it's rare to get behind the chains. Yeah, he's averaging six yards a carry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Keontae, sorry, Trey Watson at time, and he's great. I love Trey Watson, but you can get behind the chains giving him the ball. You rarely get behind the chains force feeding the ball to Keontae. And here's here's the the weird you similarity stay ahead because of the as, as, as Matt said, 
we're very different eras than we were in 1995 and they 2001. Were, yeah, we're no very doubt. different eras. Because the plays alone, but, that's why he's complimentary in Texas because right. we're running 70-something plays and as I, opposed to 50-something back. And I, underst- I understand why Tom Herman is doing what he's doing in terms of dividing the carries the way he is and managing Keontae Ingram's carries because he has been banged up, as Matt mm-hmm. mentioned a little bit ago. He's had the hip, he's had the knee, so you know, is he 80%, is he 90%, I don't know, but... That's why Tom Herman's reluctant to say, let's give him the ball 25 times a game uh, because I, I, don't, I don't know that they're ready to do that. But here's where it's similar. Tom Herman's got to make the same decision that Bucky Godbolt and John McAvick made. That, you know what? Ricky's just so dang good. We just got to get him on the field somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. We, we got to get it. And, Rod, after the Oklahoma game, the same decision Mac Brown made. Oh, you guys want Cedric Benson? Uh, okay, I'll give Cedric Benson the ball 30 times. Oh, man, he just went for 150 yards. Yeah, it's like oh, Jason okay. Garrett on the I, fourth down. I, I, guess he, I guess he is ready. <laughs> yep, the and media was right for a change. <laughs> already, because even though Daniel Young was impressive early on, too, the few times he was carrying those 33 carries he had in those first few games. Don't those like have Daniel all Young been, anymore. Those have been all absorbed by Keontae, and I really think it's no, just been with I the health. And, and then, but why don't they like Daniel Young? But is da- it the fumble alone? No. They just don't like him anymore? Danny Young, like Danny Young, was, your, Danny Young was your short yardage goal yeah, line guy. Sam Ellinger now is your best short yardage goal line runner. Well, and then Keontae's your number two guy. Right. He's shown that power, and basically Trey Watson's turned into that what in theory is almost your third down or that receiving back that we thought he was going to be. We didn't want him to be a feature back. When no, he we didn't. So yeah. now you can sort of see the emergence, and I really hope it's only because of the health that you didn't see it earlier with Herman. I really think you may have, if Ingram was healthy, he probably would have absorbed these young carries for the short yardage sooner yeah. and then would have taken some every down snaps that you're still seeing come on the first few series. You'll see a first down, a second down snap from Trey Watson, but the rest of the game, it's really turned down to being Keontae. When you look at just the normal metrics, you hear 6.1 yards per carry to 3.8, but if you're talking about highlight yards per opportunity, which is a big one where the offensive line is basically given those first five line yards, depending upon how good your offensive line is, yeah. then when you reach for First contact, what do they get beyond that? And that's your highlight yards per opportunity. Right now, 5.1 yards per opportunity. When he's given his ability to highlight himself in the open field, he gets 5.1 after that contact compared to 2.19 for Trey Watson. And even look below, Daniel Young was at about an average 4.35, but the only player above average on Texas's entire roster is Keontae Ingram, and it's way above average compared to the rest. Yeah. Daniel Young is actually probably the second best running back on the roster yeah. right now. Yeah, he's he your, no your traditional, like, what, <laughs> like, Deontay, just go up and go. You know exactly. He's Trey exactly Watson's what more versatile. And that's what, a great backup to have. But if we'll, say something is. were to happen, we'll talk about, where you want to we'll, be. We'll talk about this next week when we get into talking about the Oklahoma State game. But, Rod, this goes back to your point about is Sam 80%? Is he 60%? Yeah. Now do you go back to in those short yardage goal line situations? Now does Danny Young once again become your short yardage goal line option with – Just to spell Keontae Ingram if he's going to become more of a focal point. Or mm-hmm. another thing we've seen that I, that I like what they're doing, the versatility now to put a little Jordan Humphrey in the Wildcat. Yeah. And you have that formation. We've been talking now. about that forever. Well, they should do more. They should have been doing more of that. I mean, that's it goes without saying. Uh, I don't even know why we every. You know, we saw it more in this game. Dude, that should be broken out at least four or five times a game. Uh, like, he should be in the Wildcat four or five times a game, easy. Like I don't, I really don't. Can I, even can get I share? It. A share? He's averaging like six and a half yards a carry. Yeah, I, think I would say he's averaging more. He's averaging more yards per carry than any player on the team. Can I share a quick? <laughs> can I share a quick story? Uh, four point six, but he was. He was right there. Can I share right? a, qui- a quick story? Yeah. Oh, that, that happened. Like, this oh, week? yes, because they had that that fourth quarter run where he Nonsense, didn't gain any yeah. yards. That's what got him. Here's a Before quick. That he was he was after quick story, Rod. Right that there, goes though. to something yeah. you and I have been talking about all off season. 
we've been looking, you know, because you and I do these kind of deep dives during the offseason mm-hmm. where we go down the rabbit hole and mm-hmm. find stats. And you and I have both been talking like, man, remember how Tom Herman used James world. Casey at Rice when he was the OC at Rice and James yeah, Casey like, shattered the NCAA record for tight end catches and he was a wildcat quarterback and a yep. tailback and a slot guy. It was awesome. And then you saw what Tom Herman did at DeMarcus Ayers where he was a wildcat quarterback and a tailback and a slot guy and did all this stuff. So that's Tom Herman on the conference call. You know, I brought up James Casey and Demarcus Ayers, and I said, you know, I mean, Lil Jordan Humphreys differently built than both of those guys. He's got a different skill set than both of those guys. But I said, you know, what is it, you know, that boils down to why you trust him with the ball in the same situations you trust with those guys? And and Tom Herman, you know, look, we know Tom Herman's had you know times with yeah. the media where he's come off as uh, short or you know abrasive or what have you. So that what it makes you feel good when Tom Herman gets the response he gave me where he, he says He likes thoughtful questions. Where he says that's yes. he's, yeah. he's that's the main thing. He, he likes thoughtful he questions. He says yeah that's he, he said very that's very annoyed at dumb ones. He yeah. said that's very perceptive of you to notice how, you know, we use James at Rice and how we use DA at Houston. I'm like, and I'm thinking that's perceptive because Rod B and I've been talking about that all off season. Like, yeah. man, can you look at how they use? Come on, man. But Tom Herman said it boils down to Your football IQ. Boils down to football IQ, and he said LJ knows ball. Like he's played different positions. That came makes from sense. came from a program yeah. where at South Lake Carroll where. You better know what you're doing, otherwise there's going to be somebody behind you that does. That's great going to take your job. Yeah. Great coaching from Hal Watson and that staff yeah. at South Lake Carroll. So it boils down to football, like you. But I like what they're doing with Lil Jordan Humphrey. Back to the point of, of you know options you have to. I don't. I say I hate saying take pressure off of, but alleviate the amount. No, of contact. you need to expand the running game. Right, now. alleviate the amount of contact Sam Ellinger is going to yeah. absorb when he comes. You have to back. expand the running game because Sam Ellinger just mm-hmm. can't take the hits that he was taking in the first seven games of the season. Right. So you can't, you can't, you just can't afford it. All right. Yeah. So and then you need it with Bouchelle. It's a necessity. Ex- and actually, yeah, exactly to complement Bouchelle and provide more structure and infrastructure within mm-hmm. that offense to protect him. You need need to be able to supplement the running game. So I. I even like what Baylor did with Jalen Hurd. I just put him in the damn backfield and just handed it off to him. Like, mm-hmm. He was you know running back in Tennessee. You know what I mean? Like, you know what? You know what? He's running back. Yeah, like riding Amara a bike. was his backup at Tennessee. Yeah, so even with a guy like Lil Jordan Humphrey, like, I know it sounds crazy, but hell, I would be opposed to just lining them up back there and freaking people out and like, what the hell is going on? And then hand it off to him and go, what the hell? He's getting. I mean, just the more things you can do to mix up the running game because those four or five, I mean, what was Sam averaging uh, rush attempts per game? Is it around 10? Uh, right now, yeah. What was his rush attempts per game? He has sixty six right now. So he he's averaging eleven after the last one. So. Okay, so yeah, because he got hurt. Yeah, so you gotta those double you digits. You gotta cut those in half almost with a guy with a you know a shoulder injury. You know what I mean? You just can't take that. You kind gotta of save it for maybe read situations where that side of the field's wide open. Or you or, goal line right down there in the touchdown. You wanna you know you like all right. We need we need Bam Bam Sam. And, and you run here. that 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 power stretch that we're running where you just you trust a guy. Look, Sam, just be smart. Protect read yourself. It, cut yeah. back if you can. Whatever. Get to the sideline. Get out of bounds. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I I think so. Those five carries take away from him. Of course, Keontae Ingram needs to get his share or whatever, and you know, and if Shane starts, hell, all those Sam carries need to go to somebody because you can't. Shane just is not that quarterback. You're gonna put yourself in a bad position, forcing him to run. You take eleven. If, you, if you're taking eleven, maybe five go to Ingram, four go three to Watson, four, and then yeah. two or three of them go to Danny Young. Pretty yep. much, something like and that. And just so I can get the or, citation, or, 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 yeah, out whatever there. you want to do, yeah. Whenever mm-hmm. I bring up rushes, it's through football study hall, so it takes out sacks because college is skewing yeah, yeah, for yeah. numbers like Ellinger. It takes Hellinger. out the rushing yards. For so sack if you want to know his yeah. true, because when you look it up, it's always going to be skewed because you're yeah, going to yeah. take those negative yards and your kneel down yards away. 
from him. So when those filtered out, Ellinger is averaging 4.4 per carry, 66 rushes on two, for 292 okay. yards. If you look it up somewhere else, it's going to be somewhere probably in the higher because of his way less yards per rush because you take those sack yards. Out. And also probably more opportunity, more scrambles where he yeah. ends up getting sacked. So he's sacked probably at 70 something actual rushes. So he's but probably 66 yeah. where he runs. He's getting around 11 rushes a game. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's why you got to figure These out how you're going to and though and think about how impactful those rushes usually are though. You know what I mean? Yes. They're in the red zone. They're on the goal line. Yeah. You're talking about short yards, third and short. I mean, they're crucial yeah. times where he's right. I'm gonna go track that when I go back. I mean Sounds like those 77 rushes, how many of them in third down and in the red zone? And this is where it's crucial. Yeah. Showing, That's when you're going to miss them. And just a good way to notice where Keontae Ingram is to the rest of the field. If you look at yards per carry when you filter out all the garbage stats and the negative sack yards, you got Watson 3.8, 4.0 Young, Ellinger 4.4, Keontae 6.1. Like that just sort <laughs> yeah. of shows the context, you know, across the board. Right. Texas yeah. gets four to four and a half per rush, anybody. He's a guy that gets you one point three three times a third of a standard deviation above it over I, six. I, I per will rush. say this: if they had given Lil Jordan Humphrey more opportunities, he oh, would yeah. be there too. Literally before this game, Lil Jordan Humphrey is also averaging around right. six yards a carry. Yeah, before that Baylor game. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's right one, there. I think one, he's also one of those. One yep. quick point I want to make on the offense before we shift the defense and to get to some big picture before we get out of here. The offensive line. I don't think we're giving that group enough credit because mm-hmm. you look at that last drive of the game, and it wasn't you know, the time-killing drives like they've had, but you got a first down and you milked some clock, and you did it with Patrick Vahe coming out of the game. And I'd heard after the game that maybe he was sore or dinged up. Nobody was really mm-hmm. sure kind of what happened. Tom Herman said it was a, a minor knee sprain, and he could have gone back, but they just rolled with what they had. They moved Derek Kerstetter into the game at right guard, moved Elijah Rodriguez over to left guard, and just kept rolling. And think about it from this standpoint. Yep. If you're in the situation last year where you lose a starter at a critical drive, the offense craters. Craters. You know? You lost so you tell me they lost a starting offensive lineman and they lost their starting quarterback. Yeah. And we're all upset that the offense didn't score more points. That killed like, Charlie <laughs> Strong's right. first the Ashes Espinosa. Yeah, it's and now that you bring that up, I didn't I didn't put yeah, you're right. That's uh-huh. crazy. And you put Derek Kerstetter in the game yeah. and you kinda keep rolling. And that's a tribute Starting to Herb Hand. Rod, and we talked yep. all offseason. One of the things we love with Herb Hand, he cross trains so many guys and yeah. we've seen him, you know, you've seen it on, on LHN with some of their all access stuff, but mm-hmm. I've seen it on the practice field where he said, Hey, Everybody's going to work on being a left guard for this drill. Everybody. We're going to work on pulling like a left guard. And then the next day, everybody's going to be a right tackle. I want everybody to learn your footwork for being a right tackle and just get a feel for it. And now he's able to mix and match. You've got Kerstetter who can play multiple positions. Rodriguez but can play multiple about positions. about what he's doing as a classroom, as a teacher, he is uplifting the football IQ of everybody there. Mm-hmm. And he's so, a, that's you know the, I mean? so now I know, I know what the left guard is supposed to be doing even though I'm a right tackle. Like, oh, I know what you're supposed to I know your technique on this play. So when I'm watching film, I can, we can also now – as a group, watch film together and break it down. He he, man, he's got some coach Akina in him in terms of breaking down the guys and yeah. building him up and building them up in his own. Herb Hand, that was the one positive was above it. all else I heard when he came from Auburn. And Rod, I don't know you've been to practice, I've been to practices, and you see it. Herb Hand is a really good teacher. He's a of teacher. The game. You yes. can tell. Yeah, you can tell he's a teacher. Well, yeah, obviously, like, look at the product. You bring up the football IQ there again, and I meant to mention this earlier, but didn't. But when you start looking through these players, and are oh, you talking about the offensive line, offensive line? coach who been teaching that IQ but then what else have you filled you have a Cal transfer coming from Cal Berkeley you got a coach's kid in or a pedigree kid in Bouchelle you have a yep. pedigree kid in somebody like Colin Johnson a South Lake Carroll football pedigree in Lil Jordan Humphrey a Westlake 
football breeding in Ellinger. Like, yeah. oh, it's sort of a continuity there that these are all players that are in situations where you probably fit that high football IQ, and there's a reason uh, that Calvin they're getting Anderson. Anderson. Calvin Anderson. Calvin Anderson. No, no, exactly. Rice grad transfer. Yeah. Like, there's a common a theme point. here when you start I to add that. those up. All the players Cosme on the field. Cosme is what they like about Cosme is his football IQ mm-hmm. is really high, and apparently that's why. I mean, he's 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 the best offensive lineman. We haven't been talking and about if him you much. Wanna, and that's why you know he's doing damn good. Because we don't mention yeah. Cosby at all. Only right. he maybe has that's one. The, Rod, you know this, man. That's, that's the best compliment you can give an offensive exactly. lineman. If we I don't know you're there, then you're doing okay. something he's right. The, he's the best offensive lineman, and we haven't talked about him in like four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> There yeah. you go. And he's a freshman that emerged on like the first day of practice. You heard about when, him when you do when you yeah. do note and, and Cosme's a guy I mean, that just kind of kept get, getting better and better and really better. And they're like, you know kept, what? Kept we, hearing we good put reports him. about him. It's like, man, this kid Cosme is stepping up. He's doing really well. And you're like, okay, he just kept getting better and better through camp he to did. the point where they're like, you know what? We got to get him on the field. Yeah. And while we're on the offensive line, worth mentioning, Texas now up into the top 30. If you look on standard downs, which are rushing downs, and standard uh, line yards per carry, Texas 2.72, which is 30th in the nation. And that's the, I haven't seen Texas with the offensive line stat in that high and, all and, like and almost what, since I've started yeah. following these metrics. Here's mm-hmm. what you can say about the offensive line. They're not terrible anymore. 21st no, in sack rate. I would say they're not they're, terrible. I would say they're, at this point, at least, at least average, average yes. to above average. You know, what I mean, I, now I wouldn't. I ain't watched enough film to go in depth on them to say mm-hmm. they are above average and where they rank. They're definitely at the least. I test the product the tells me you're at least, yeah, at no the doubt. very least, yep. somewhere between below average and average. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the case or, last year. And whereas last year you were average. freaking abysmal, you were porous. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Maybe the worst offensive line I've ever seen. And look, yes, the personnel's better. Cosme's an upgrade. Anderson's an upgrade. Rodriguez is healthy the whole year. <laughs> but if you want to look at Herb Hand's impact, look at the product last year at Texas. Mm-hmm. Look at it this year. Look at Auburn last year. And look at Auburn this year. Like Ooh, Auburn people, Auburn yeah. people were ready to get rid of Herb Hand. They're like, oh, you know, it's Herb Hand doesn't make a difference. It good. Let him go to Texas. Yeah. Auburn, not only can they not protect Jarrett Stidham. They cannot bust a grape in the run game right now. No, and yeah. Cam Martin and Whitlow, those aren't bad running backs. Like, I was expecting Auburn to be able to run the ball. That was the strength that was going to help Stidham. And, like and for Gus that being Ma- their weakness. A Gus Miles on offense can't move the football. Here's a stat that kind of goes to your point about Auburn randomly. Uh, Jordan Rogers says, Auburn is the most predictable team in the SEC. Versus, uh, he said, basically, versus Tennessee, when they have a tight end and a fullback on the field, all right? They run a run play or a screen play of some kind 74% of the time in that game. When the tight end and the fullback were off the field, they passed it 91% of the time. Oh. You wonder why the tight end and the fullback are there? They need help, like blocking, like run blocking. Yeah. And they, need, they need numbers in the running game. Now, they yeah. did lose some guys to the NFL. Darius James well, I know, moved but on saying, like, some guys That's what's on, making it more predictable yeah. now because they're not as dominant in the running game and yeah. run blocking. Yeah. I like that you bring that up because that's one other spot that when I looked at the metrics that Texas stands out on. Passing downs, Texas's run rate, yeah. 35th in the nation, up around the top. Yep. That where you become – it's the best way to gauge which teams are the least predictable, which almost correlates best with total offense. When on passing downs, you run the ball and the defense doesn't expect it. Then when you look on standard run rate and when you run the ball, Texas is actually – Four percent less than the national average. Normally, they mm. run at fifty-five or fifty-nine percent of the time. Texas running at fifty-five point nine. So you're well below, meaning you're passing more than people yeah. expect on rundowns, and then you're running more on passing downs, and that's something that keeps the defense oh, no guessing question. on their heels. Yeah. You don't get to go after tendencies, and those are the type of things. Watch the Rams, McVay. He does it more well, than anybody. Yeah, right now the NFL right now they're passing more on first down than ever before. Jason Garrett's now starting to figure that out too. That was 
part of why they beat the Jacks the way they did. But getting back to that point, there's also the short passing game, which is now the extension of the running game. So it's a high percentage pass on first down anyway. Your like slants, late in the your game, digs, your screens, your yeah. wide receiver screen. Like when Texas trying to you know milk the clock against Baylor, they throw screens to Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, or that little Lil Jordan Humphrey does the jet sweep motion, then he bubbles mm-hmm. out for the bubble screen. Mm-hmm. Those are basically run plays. But you know what? I, it's a high percentage pass, and for Shane Bouchelle, a guy who's really accurate in terms of being you know that quick little pass. That may be something that's got to throw in there a ton with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I want to talk about defense before we get out of here. Yeah, and I still want to talk about the big picture because uh, we'll have some time to do that. Uh, Rod, when we look at this defense, oh, uh, you know, I don't know what else you could ask the defense to do. They, they need yeah. to figure out the slow starts because this is five of seven opponents now that have gotten points on their opening drive. I think it's an adjustment thing. I, mean, I think Maybe. that's what that's Todd Orlando. I think he just, he's really, we've talked about, it, he's really good at adjusting. And I mm-hmm. think. You know, initial, I think he even knows that, too. Like, okay, give me some. Give me a shot. All right, all right, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, when let me pull just it. the idea that the opposing coach has all week to work for that first drive and things, but then when it goes, it hits the shan and you're in that second well, drive trying to react. Well, done. Exactly, yeah. and that's whenever you want to be just thrown in and it's time to yeah. react to what I'm seeing on the field, not what I thought I would see and be fooled with and they're using yeah. against you all week, and that's just something that the best coaches yeah. every single week, you second, third, and fourth quarter, if that scoring's below your first, that's a good trend. I think he's a better play caller than a coordinator right now. Yeah, well, that could be something. You know, what I mean, when he's just when he's calling plays, he's he's in it. You know, what I mean, Baylor had twelve drives on Saturday, five three and outs. So in the meat of that game, the defense is doing something right. Tackles for loss. How I many ten? Uh, I believe ten and a half. I ten, ten and a half. Yeah, I mean, the only tackle for loss are really high too, which is negative Not plays. Ten. Which yeah. is a big part of his his blueprint, just getting negative plays. So I don't, I don't know how many plays they had. What they have, 70-something plays, 72, something like that? Uh, was it 72, Baylor? I'll pull up the box. Uh, think about now 10 of those 72 plays were negative plays. Yes. Like that's – you got the definition of defense is changing so 74, dramatic. 74 74 plays. So like so, – so 10 of those 74 plays were negative plays. And then you, then you get into the turnovers, and that's kind of how you, you – I judge defense now in the Big 12. It's like, well, all right, I know they ran 76 plays on you, but – but if, you know, if Iowa State gets 16 tackles for loss, then you know what? Then 16 of those 74 plays or whatever are negative plays. Then throw the turnovers in there. Then throw in how many plays were, you know, stopped at the line of scrimmage or mm. uh, behind the line of scrimmage or right at the line of scrimmage. I think that's kind of how defense is starting to be judged because you're not going to stop Big 12 teams from scoring points. Some teams can do it, but it's really tough. And Todd Lando's one of the few people that can do it. But consistently, it's tough to do. Yeah. And when you talk about that, when you get those negative plays, what does that force you into a passing down? Long, exactly. Okay. And what we talk about how well this defense has been in weeks past yep. against good teams in passing downs. Again, this week, passing downs, Charlie Brewer was 10 of 19 for 133 yards, three sacks, and no scores, it looks like. So, yeah, 10 for 19, you're all down at 53% and only getting on – 133 yards, 19, uh, roughly about six and a half yards per pass. That's well below your average. 5.56 per attempt in three sacks. That's huge. Didn't you say against Oklahoma they only had two standard passes? Uh, I will pull. Yeah, they were one for two. They were for, one for two with, with the, the interception. Yeah, I remember that. Yep, yeah, and yeah. then it was I believe JT Daniels was the only guy uh, like 10 to 15 for marginal yardage, and then it was TCU. I'll get the exact numbers, but yeah. Sean Robinson was over. I yeah, believe, and then the other quarterback yeah. had a few. That's when Todd Lando was at his best. Rod, the, the killer for this defense on Saturday, really the one area where you could say they really got to buckle down and clean things up was on third down. Because when you start looking at Baylor's third down, it's not just that Baylor converted almost 50% on third down. It's the situations. Third and 12, 
Charlie Brewer to Jalen Hurd for 17 yards. Yeah. Third and 11, Brewer to Denzel Mims for a 19-yard touchdown. Third and 10, Brewer to Mims for 16 yards. Uh, then you've got down here yeah. on a third down, there was another touchdown. No, you're right. I was just looking at it. That's exactly uh, somewhere it. else. I don't remember. Yeah, well, those are the downs that Matt's talking about. There yeah, were way TCU too many. Was way two too many third and one for thirty yards yeah. on passing downs. And those are some of the downs that Matt's talking about. And you're losing. Those are the money downs for for Tyrell Leonard. That's, that what, makes it that's easy when you can unleash him. Charles Amenahu. Right. That's when Charles Amenahu can come from the wide angle. It's you know, when I mean, get to the quarterback. Can sit high safety and just get his yeah. routine once a game. Bait this quarterback and throw in and out. And I am faster and longer and quicker than these angles. Yeah. And will come over all three of those picks. The first one to Tulsa. He had another one against TCU and then this one, all identical situations where mm-hmm. the quarterback reads, I can get the ball down to him before the safety gets over, and because the Stearns is the range and speed, he the gets range, there, yeah. and it looks like Michael Griffin's pick against Matt Leinard in the end zone each time when he just gets his feet up because he's the freak on the field. Enjoy yeah. him. Enjoy him while you got him, folks, because he ain't going to have seven running around. Right? We didn't redshirt him, so we no. get him for three years, <laughs> unlike Earl. Yeah. Here's yeah. Lobo. Here's he the, the uh, <laughs> let me get to one positive on defense before we get to the negative. And Rod, I'm gonna need you to chime in on the negative, but the positive going into the year, we thought, and I think Todd Orlando thought Brecken Hager was gonna be the guy that was kind of a double digit sack guy off the edge. Yeah, we're seeing now that's Charles Menehu. Charles yeah, Menehu's already got six sacks, and we see it. And Rod, uh, I described this on the radio when I was with you on the Rodcast on Monday. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. When you get into third and long. For a defensive lineman, there's nothing they love here more than mm-hmm. third and long. Because, man, that's when you get your hand in the ground, you get in that track stance, and you can just fire off and go get after the quarterback. Yeah. And that's when Charles Amena, who's been really good, that's when he can become a true pass rusher. And I think now when you look at the job he's done against the run as a 4-I-N and the fact that you're still getting pass rushing productivity when he is allowed to be more of a traditional defensive end, I think his draft stock, I don't know where he's going to get drafted, but i got to think it's going up. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, right now I think he's got to be projecting to be a top two round guy if he continues on his pace because he'll have yeah. double digit sacks. Um, hell, Gil Brandt's been talking about Charles Amenahu for the last year or so. Right. Mm-hmm. That he's been on a lot of NFL scouts' radar just because of the size, man. He's six six. Even six, since the game Texas yeah, lost yeah, to Kansas, he yeah. was the guy on the Look field at that. standing up. Look how long he is. I mean, NFL. I mean, he's making athletic plays guy. in the backfield against Kyler Murray. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think I think he's projecting. I think he's you know he's going to continue on this pace. What I like about what and I got to go back and, and see how consistent this trend is. I believe that on those passing downs that Matt's talking about, because mm-hmm. I want to say he's six sacks, four of them on third and fourth downs. And I think a lot of them are these passing situations. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if uh, Todd Orlando's using him differently. Uh, you talk about him from that four eye, maybe a little bit wider on those downs as opposed to more standard running downs where mm-hmm. he's got more of that tight uh, three eye technique for those guys right. where they're basically. You know, they basically just kind of run stuffers right. instead of being guys that can penetrate and get in the backfield. I bet he is. I bet because and you said it. He wanted to use Brecken Hayer like that as a hybrid guy, put him in different situations, uh, find the mismatch. Turns out that's a minhu, and I don't think they're really moving a minhu around to do it. No. He's just a physical freak of nature, and he is a mismatch really for anybody he lines up against in the Big Twelve. Period. Let's get to the negative now. So great job by Charles Minhu, like you said, Rod. I don't think is they're doing anything fancy. No, I, I think don't think so. It looks... I think it did. and Charles, I asked Charles about it after the game. He said he is getting into more studying the offensive tackles he's going to go against in those situations, yeah. so he knows, hey, I can't go swat and swim on this guy. I got to dip and rip underneath. Maybe it's just his evolution as a player, move. right? You know I mean? um, the negative is. Is, and this is going to sound like I'm knocking players, and I don't mean to demean players, but it is what it is. And Rod, you back me up on this, and I'll hand you the baton and you go. It's really easy to figure out where opponents are attacking this defense. Yeah, They're attacking Devontae Davis and staying away from Chris Boyd. They're attacking P.J. Locke, and they're going after Anthony Wheeler. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I think the most low-hung fans do too. And it's 
I don't think it's a it's an insult to those players, and it's it's obviously not personal. What I think it, it's like okay, production. Uh, the the analogy that, that I gave on the show was, if you say that, uh, you know, uh, the take the Destiny Child girls, you know, that may be a Destiny Child analogy. Shout out to Kelly Rowland. Yeah, right, if I say that Latavia, who y'all probably don't even know, nope, no. and Latoya, that's going to the, the four the right? four women lineup yes, of Destiny Child. I tell you Child. that those three members of Destiny Child, former members of Destiny Child, are not as fine and not as talented as Kelly Rowland, mm-hmm. and damn showing as fine and as talented as Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Well, is that really an insult? Like, no, no they just they just not as fine as Beyonce. They're not as talented as Beyonce. Not an insult. So. When when they're when you're looking at who to attack in that Texas secondary on that Texas defense, well, you're not going after Brandon Jones, the dude. You're not going after the Wolf, all right. And Chris Boyd, well, he, who's the better of the corners? Well, he's well, Chris Boyd is better. So you know what? Let's go after Devontae Davis. PJ Locke is the weakest link in that secondary. Not saying he's weak, mm-hmm. but in terms of way we're judging all those guys, he is. Gary Johnson's playing at a really high level. Well, if we're gonna attack a linebacker, we ain't attacking Gary Johnson because he's balling. So mm-hmm. we're going after Anthony Wheeler. So it's, it's not an insult to those guys. It's more about just uh, the reality of where are the weaknesses, where are you going to try to exploit a Todd Orlando defense. Well, there are three spots that have proven consistently where teams can have success attacking, and it's it's P.J. Locke, it's Wheeler, and it's Devontae Davis. Not saying they're bad players. I was that guy before. When Quentin Jammer was starting Mm -hmm. cornerback opposite of me, Funnel. They didn't. They didn't go at Quentin Jammer. I can say that right now. All right. They mm-hmm. came at Rod B. It was like, oh, we going at that guy. Oh, they. What the hell? Are we throwing Quentin Jammer. He's gonna be a top five pick. So they got to go out there. You got to earn your respect, PJ Locke. You got to earn your respect, Anthony Wheeler, Devonte Davis. They gonna keep coming after you until you prove. All right. You know what? We ain't going after him anymore. Who's the other weak link? Because that guy is not playing today. That's what you got to do. Yeah. It's that and simple. it's if you follow fantasy sports, it's the same. They call funnel defenses. Like last year, the Jacksonville secondary was so good that Jacksonville gave up a lot of rush yards. Not because the rush defense was horrible, but they it was the choice of the offense exactly. to attack. Pick your because, poison. So it would funnel to the run game. Now, the same thing the first month of the year watching the Rams, well, when you had Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters outside, it wasn't as if, it's, say, in that first game that Jared Cook was amazing. It was just that all production was funneled to the so tight, tight end, end because that's they're weak, shutting yeah. down the outside. Yeah. So you'll see these funnel defenses, same thing that Calvin Ridley. We heard Casey Studdard in here irate that he didn't start Calvin Ridley one day. And it's only <laughs> Because Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints on yeah. one side, he funnels all the targets to the other side of the defense. Exactly right. They're and he's taking out Julio. Julio. Yeah. So it's over there. So you see these funnels all throughout Great fantasy point. sports. I agree with that. So we'll talk more about the defense and cleaning <laughs> things up, but I want to get to the big picture before a couple minutes before we get out of here. And like we said at the top, man, Texas – Guys, it's sole possession of first place in the Big 12. West Virginia goes on the road, and Iowa State does what Iowa State does every year. Man. Beat nobody, beat somebody they probably have no business beating. Is it John they, Heacock is the D coordinator? Yes. Man. Coach Matt Campbell's Dude, still he's there? He's a beast. I, I love his system. Heacock man. was the guy that against Texas last year. Dude, they weren't intending. That's an awesome name, Heacock. They weren't, I know. I don't want to get deep. To they weren't, I'm sorry. I just learned this guy's name. They weren't, they weren't intending. It's they, great. They weren't intending Heacock to run a, three, a three-man front with, with six defensive backs and cloud coverage, but they got through a couple yeah. series in that Texas game and said, you know what? This works really well. Just keep doing it. And they've been doing it, and they popularized it in the Big 12 now. Texas admitted they stole it from Iowa yeah, State. TC, it's, uh, not TCU, but West Virginia has been using some of it too, yeah. yeah. And Tony Gibson's always been, you know, they've been a 3-3. Tony Gibson team. says that he actually started using it first, actually. West Virginia <sighs> claims that they used it first before he caught mm. <laughs> Just so you know. Okay, there whatever. Anyway, I don't exactly, <laughs> even matter. Who cares? Dana Holgerson doesn't care. Did you see him throw his team under the bus <laughs> the after the game on Sunday? Worst offensive performance of He's sitting in a chair seen. like this. Uh, worst offensive performance <laughs> I've ever seen. Yes. Ever. 
There were, what, what was the movie where McConaughey <clears throat> had all that crazy hair and was half bald and nasty? It's some movie that was coming oh, out. He oh, looked like yes. disheveled Holgerson. That's disheveled that Holgerson. That was a story too. Gold? Or yes, yes, gold. That was it. There it's you good, go. Boom. Movie, yes, and whenever he's disheveled, he, he looks like look disheveled like him, Holgerson. Oh, man. Yes. We'll Find play, those okay, memes. When we play good. West Virginia, we got to break out that. Yes, Dana, we'll do. Dana Holgerson reminded me of like when I was a kid and I'd get in trouble. My dad's sitting at the kitchen counter Uh-oh. smoking a cigarette. <laughs> Wait, this for you. With the cigarette in his fingers and his hand on his head. He goes, son, get in here. <laughs> Dude, your dad's just like my dad. He'd be smoking a cigarette. Dana Holgerson definitely smokes cigarettes. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh he You hear to. it in the definitely voice. Definitely, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're getting booted out of casinos. You live in West Virginia. It's like you go to the Appalachian Hills. And I'm just saying, I don't know that but i'm just well, talking about guys um gundy whatever's going on with that mullet's overtaking his brain and that dude yeah. is also going to well, be looking uh, i'm glad trouble. you brought up oklahoma state matt because they're next on the schedule for texas yeah. they go to k-state and get the brakes beat off of them that's crazy man so you start looking at the back half of the schedule and mm-hmm. you're seeing where it's it's navigable for texas you're, mm-hmm. you're just not afraid it, it isn't it just doesn't look like we thought it was going to look like I said, I think I had we Texas at five and I think I had him at five and two at this point. But hell, it, it just even a six and one doesn't look like anybody thought it would look. Iowa State may be the biggest threat now in the second half of the scale, depending uh, on yeah, with Purdy and the quarterback and how they're playing. Man, Brock Purdy's changed that their offense. Yeah, man. that's what I'm saying. So like it's crazy how th- and who knows? I mean, the way the Big Twelve is going to yeah. obviously go going forward, but Texas Tech could get hot. They're playing Decent defense in Texas Tech and Lubbock. I don't know how the hell. That's well, that's one thing. Are. Like I don't, I don't know how much of their, I don't know how much point. of their defensive performance. They have improved, but man, TCU's got major quarterback issues right now. And that's the thing. We thought TCU would be a power. They are not. TCU obviously is not going to be a powerhouse because their quarterback can't stop turning the football over. Number one. All right. Uh, but Robinson's yeah, carrying so the football. It's just, it ain't looking like we thought it was going to look. And yeah, it is prime. The, the 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 Big Twelve is in a prime position for Texas to just take it. Even the chaos going on it's, at quarterback yeah. and Tech with their injuries, they have three quarterbacks. They, they three just quarterbacks. don't know and which you, one's going to play. And you know, Cliff Kingsbury can put an offense out there. We're not yeah. worried about that. Yeah. I think what's surprising is they have the this, this second best third down defense in the Big Twelve, and they you were projected I mean? to be a very good defense. They were. They had one. three preseason All Big Twelve members. So uh, projecting and they got a spy going forward over there, old John Bunny. Uh, I'm not afraid of who I thought I was going to be afraid of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I'm more. I think I'm more afraid of Iowa State right now than West Virginia. That Thank sounds God crazy. you get Iowa State at home. That sounds crazy. Thank God we aren't going to. No, Ames. exactly. No, seriously. Yeah. Like I, West Virginia to me, because I think Todd Orlando's defense are are built to to handle like pocket yes. passing quarterback. Yeah. At West Virginia. Yeah, and we're we're starting to get to that time of year where West Virginia under Dana Holgerson typically starts to crater a little bit. Exactly. They're about to hit their tough part of their schedule. They're going to be way more beat up than Texas is. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, Iowa State worries me a little bit. Texas Tech worries me a little bit. I hope that McLean Carter is in the quarterback. Because you got to go to Tech. You know that's going to be a night game. To Tech and Stillwater. Hell yeah, it's going to be a night game. Even if they're bad, it's going to be a night game. Hopefully they're horrible. Because you know they got nothing to lose. Weird stuff happens at night in love. Trust me, man. I I lost it 0-2. Cost me a BCS game. Hey, dude. Okay. And that was weird stuff. I think Nathan Vasher got hurt that game. I think you guys were down to four defensive backs. Johnson, I think, got hurt that game. It was on Sunday night football, and they were saying this is the first time in NFL history a game's ended 43-40. I was yeah. like, I know that score. That's the damn score when Welker beat yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that, I was like, how is that the first time in NFL history? I was like, that's that blasted well, game. Because the NFL's becoming the Big 12, Yeah, brother. I know, man. In a nutshell. <laughs> Look how far ahead <laughs> yeah. in time you were. That the was Big the 12, damn score. I, it was I didn't way ahead of everybody. Because yeah. I knew that that was the score. That's great. I but didn't think about that. Here's the question that I'll, and, you know, I, I hate the Texas is back oh, thing. Homies. I just loathe it. But. 
Here's my question regarding that in terms of the big picture. Do we let ourselves start talking about the playoff at this point? Well, you have to. I mean, but it's okay. We're fans. Mm. You're seventh, and you just have to control your destiny. But That's the thing, though, Matt. You brought it up. Yeah, that's true. The fact that Texas controls their own destiny at this point. Yeah, it's absurd. Which has been a while. Been 09 was probably the last time. It adds up to all those cliches that the Maryland game doesn't matter. Matt, what was that year that Matt could have won the Big 12? They started 6 0 in the Big 12. Yeah, but so maybe that was. But the season was over going into OU, and Texas blew out OU with the case before game. Provo had already happened. almost go to that game. But then if we had won a beat. Baylor, you had to share the Big Twelve, right? Yeah, yeah. You would have, you would have been the, the, you would have been in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, yeah. you would have been so, the Big Twelve. I guess, so, the, yeah, the, not two thousand nine technically, but yeah, in terms of this, this is what I asked, and people say it's Texas back. I don't, I don't want to look at that because I don't want to get into that conversation because because yeah, it's, it's not at the same. It's like, level that's, a, it was, that's a rabbit man. hole. This is the question I asked, and I think it's it's easily more identify it's easily to identify whether this question can be answered. Is Texas the best college football team in the state of Texas? If they are. And that means they won all their home they, games. I that means they, they beat OU in Dallas, and that means they beat all the Texas teams. They're pro- as Mac Brown would always say, they're probably going to be in a national title discussion. I mean, and look at where we are. If you handle your business and you're the best football team in Texas, that means beating Tech. And that right? means the Aggies and helped you out because it doesn't matter. You well, it doesn't matter about the Aggies. Them. That means when Texas will be in that discussion. So I want Texas to get back to that point. When I can answer that question at the end of this season, then I think everything else will take care of itself. Last time that was the case, and it wasn't debatable, it was 2009. Well, look at it from this standpoint, Rod. If you beat if you beat all the teams in Texas, the only one you've got left is Tech. Exactly. You win all your home games. That means you beat West Virginia and Iowa State. Exactly. All you got left are Oklahoma State and Kansas. And we State said title, it was baby, a down season for the Big 12, and you're only playing your own schedule, and you really can't do it's, anything else about it. Is it weird that, State like, title is what you need, man. Everybody made fun of Mac for those little, like, goes, oh, we got to go undefeated at home. we got to win the state yeah, championship. The state title. And now when you start looking at it, like, Don't damn, like, that's, the, everything else that's the path back to greatness. The path back to greatness is pretty damn Just simple. Win Just 12. win in Texas. Don't yeah. lose in this state. And you'll be fine. You can lose in Maryland. This is what they did. <laughs> Crab cakes and football. That's what We're Maryland does. So screw that. Maryland. What is it? Football. What is it? What's Crab cakes and football. Crab cakes and football. That's what Crab Maryland does. Crab cakes and beat in Texas. That's what Maryland does. <laughs> Texas wins championships. Oh, that's awesome. That's what great. Bucky come in here saying the the more the, the day oh, the week man. after we were recording the Maryland podcast? I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like playing Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, seriously, do not put Maryland on that schedule ever again. Right, Chris Del Conte, if you're listening to don't this, don't do it, brother. Don't schedule middle of the road Power Five teams. No, Cal, UCLA, Maryland. It's something with Maryland. Even BYU, though. keep them off the schedule. Uh, All Maryland. the Ole Miss, yeah, elbows. No, I'm cool with that. Maryland, we've beaten those. Maryland's weird. I don't know what the hell that was. Like, what about Cal? Stop scheduling the Pac-12 too. But it's been a good point that the Maryland's secondary like teams, like the UCLA's, the BYU's, the Ole Misses, those have been the ones that have beat Texas. Texas has won some of the USC's and the Notre Dame's and yeah. the bigger powers. Odd. Odd. Well, uh, what's not odd is actually it is odd that we get to sit back and watch ball this weekend. There you go. We're gonna have That'll to. Be a beautiful thing. There's a lot of Big 12 teams off. I think the Aggies are off this weekend too. So. We have to start fishing for some national games, but we'll get a feel and we'll come back in here next week, talk about the big picture, where things stand. We know Texas will be in first place in the Big 12. We'll see what the AP and the coaches poll That's say. Right. We've got another week to go until the. They'll uh, rise in the polls again this week just because other they won't until the, We'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, I think uh, October 30th is the first CFP ranking, so that'll be after the Oklahoma State game. Ooh, so. That's sexy. And we'll talk about a trip to Stillwater. That's a night game. Rod B., you and Are I you were going? 
I'm going. You and I were both in the house. Well, no, 2014, you were not there. I was no. thinking the last night game, I was thinking about 2014 when the stadium was a third full, but 2012, that game oh, yeah. might have been the loudest college football game I've ever been that was to. A hell of a game. A That's one. when we went to have uh, the fried chicken. Yes. Right? Yeah, I might have to go uh, go to the chicken spot. That, <laughs> that, was, that was the Bergeron game, eh, at the goal line? Yeah. The, oh, I forgot about the, that. The yeah. fumble, not that fumble. big comeback of David Ash's career. Yes. Was that the apex for David Ash? Straight yeah. Ash on was it? Road Ooh. victory before Road injury. Yeah, you're right. Because he didn't play well in that Kansas game. They yeah. lost the West Virginia game. Now he was bad against him at Martin Springs that night for free swing. Straight Ash on me. Have you seen him there, bro? Yeah. Nice. He has I just a, walked by and was commercial. like, David Ash. You see the commercial that he had on TV? Yeah. He had a David Ash commercial, too. David Ash is doing well. Good for there you, David go. Ash. We Got his degree. Yeah. yeah. He was wearing a knee brace to the Springs. And Beyonce was wearing your uh, number one day, Ooh. wearing your jersey. Yeah. So good for you. Can't yes. ask for more now. How the hell did she wear that number? Texas fan. <laughs> Should we wear in 21? We're just not wearing these numbers. Come I mean, on, that Beyonce. is a cool number, man. If 21. Wore, if you would have worn 21, I would I would have that as my avatar. How does he not have that as his Twitter avatar? Yeah. Come on, David Ash. You need to just send her one. Yeah. All right. What does Beyonce do? She just gets a random burn orange 21 jersey in the mail. Dude, I would send her one for sure. No. She thinking Duke Thomas? No. I'm the greatest 21, man. Damn sure you are. He, she right. knew you. Hell yeah. You should just put Kool-Aid on the back and she would know where it came from. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Matt, thanks for everything, Kool-Aid. man. You're more than welcome. Oh, Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can hear Rod Babers each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.